At Woodside Bible Church, we gather weekly to pursue God by studying His Word together. How can Christians find the motivation necessary to overcome the challenges of our modern culture and continue the mission that God has called us to? In Revelation, All Things New, we'll discover a glorious description of the end of all things and the great kingdom to come. It's here we find motivation for our present challenges. Join us as we look to the end and find hope and strength for our mission in the present. Well, last Sunday, I closed out my sermon and I mentioned to you that it was 35 years ago that I was sitting in a college classroom. Exactly. I confessed to you in that moment that I was old and you laughed. (laughs) You see, the reason I bring up my age once again this week to begin today's message is because of something that happened to me this week that may or may not be connected with my age. You see, I was doing something around the house and I bent over, tweaked my back. For the next few hours, my back would not loosen up. No matter what stretching, what exercise I tried, I was locked up. Nothing removed the discomfort, nothing removed the pain, absolutely nothing. Honestly, I (laughs) am embarrassed to say this, but I was actually having a hard time breathing. That's how much pain I was in. Now, for any of you who are under 40... Let me just say this, enjoy it, okay? Because once you hit 50, this is dangerous, okay? (laughs) All joking aside, the reality of physical pain and discomfort isn't a lot of fun. In fact, it's actually pretty lousy. Most of us, if we're honest with each other, will try to do anything we possibly can to make the pain go away as quickly as possible. You guys identify with that? Like, no, I'd rather suffer a little, Pastor. Let me sit in the pain a while. No, no, no. We all want to make that go away as quickly as we can. And yet for some, that's just not possible. Many people within our church family even carry the burden of chronic pain. Not only is this physically challenging, but it can also bring a burden of anxiety and sometimes even shame that comes along with this type of condition. Yet for all who suffer for this reality, I want you to know that this should not and does not define you. It should not and does not define who you are. Now, I can stand on the stage and I can say this with confidence because that's exactly what Jesus teaches in a pair of powerful stories in Mark's gospel. There are a couple of stories that we're going to be looking at today that speak directly to the idea and the reality of discomfort and pain, the kind that simply won't go away. And yet, it's in the midst of this 
It's in the midst of that pain and that discomfort that we see God powerfully at work in the lives of those who are hurting, in the lives of people of faith. And that's why I believe that today's text can truly offer every single person here a measure of encouragement today. Whether you're dealing with chronic pain, you're dealing with just some kind of nuanced, or maybe you're like me and you just tweaked your back a little bit. I believe that what we're looking at today can be an encouragement to all of us. So before we turn there, let's pray together. Gracious God, you are holy. You are righteous. You are sovereign. You are good. We worship you today. We celebrate the reality of new life in your son. We're so grateful for the picture that baptism is to all of us. That we are dead to sin and that we have been raised to new life in your son Jesus. It's such a gift. And God, in that new life, we desire to walk with you. That is why we are here, because we desire to bring you an offering of praise to walk in the ways that you teach us through your word. And so, God, would you meet with us now? Through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you meet with us now as we turn to your truth? God, we acknowledge that your word is truth and it has exactly what we need to walk in your ways. So God, give us eyes to see the truth of this word. Give us ears to hear clearly this truth today. And then God, give us open hearts, humble hearts before you that we might walk out this truth in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the final message in our series, Thy Kingdom Come. Now, throughout our series, we have examined three chapters in Mark's gospel. It's kind of at the beginning of Mark's gospel. And what we have seen is that Jesus' reign changes the lives of believers. That's who Jesus is. That's what he does in our lives. Quite simply, through his earthly ministry, what Jesus does is he has put his kingdom on display for all to see. And as we turn to Mark's gospel, that's what we see. We see Jesus' kingdom right there for all of us. Now, I do want to encourage you, if you have missed any one of the messages in our series, I want to encourage you to go ahead and find one of our, uh, one of our podcast locations. You can find it on Spotify or iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your downloads. Go ahead and look for it there. We We typically post those on Monday or Tuesday, and so if you miss a sermon, miss a message in the series, may I encourage you to find it there. But today we do conclude our series with a a look at a very significant passage. And as I mentioned, it speaks to pain, it speaks to shame that accompanies chronic illness. And yet, for the believer, there is hope. There is hope because we know one significant truth. Jesus reigns over disease and he reigns over death. 
Jesus reigns over both of those things. Now we're going to see that, so let's grab our Bibles. Turn back to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. We're going to close out this chapter, and we're going to encourage you to just kind of track along. Now what we're going to do is we're going to read this whole segment of text, and what you're going to find is there are two very specific stories. We're going to look at those stories individually, but I want to begin with verse 21. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And then came out of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, and he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing about you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the ruler, the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion? And weeping, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately... The girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. 
And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus is on the move again. This time he is confronted not with a demon-possessed man like we saw last week, but instead with two people with very different concerns. As we saw in this two-part, or I should say as we saw in part two of our series, Mark uses this literary technique called sandwiching. And what you do is you have the begin the story, you tell another story, and then you come back to the first story. That's what's going on here. He begins with the story of Jairus' daughter. And then suddenly in the midst of that, we are confronted with a woman who's been bleeding for an extended period of time. And then Mark does what we want him to do. He goes back to the original story. Again, that's a literary technique called sandwiching. Now, I want to break these stories apart and look at them individually because I think they're powerful enough in their own right that they deserve a time of focus because each one tells us a significant truth about our God. Let's dig into the first story. We're going to pick it up at verse 21 and follow along. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. So Jesus approaches the shore, and immediately a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name, he comes out to him, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him. You see, Jairus is the ruler of a synagogue. That means that in this cultural context, he is respected. He is a man of distinction. Yet what we see in the story is that he is also a man who understands and knows the holiness of Jesus. He knows the holiness. We see that displayed because it says he fell at his feet and he implored him earnestly. Friends, this is a posture of humility. It is a posture of desperation. When we fall down at our feet, we are taking a humble posture, a posture of surrender. Now, what's important for us to recognize is that he's doing so in the face of growing cultural and religious opposition. You see, Jesus is a controversial guy. And yet the ruler of the synagogue falls at the feet of Jesus with this heartfelt plea, please heal my daughter. Who among us hasn't had moments like that? Hopeless. Helpless. Where we are fully at the end of ourselves and we drop to our knees recognizing that we can do nothing Only God. Who among us 
when our world is crashing down all around us, doesn't run to God in prayer. But what's important is that this is not just any prayer. It is a prayer that models two very important things to you and to me, both dependency and urgency. Don't lose track of that. It's dependent prayer and it is urgent prayer. You see, the Father sees something that we often miss in our do-it-yourself world, in our Home Depot and Lowe's kind of do-it-yourself world, what the Father sees in this moment is that everything depends upon complete surrender to Jesus. Everything. Let's continue in the story, picking it up at verse 35. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who had said, your, fa- your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And so they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion where people were weeping and wailing loudly. Hope seems lost. You don't weep. You don't wail unless you are at the end of it all. You get to the point where you are hopeless. That's where these people are. The pain and the sting of death in this moment is palpable. But Jesus challenges the Father. He says, Do not fear, only believe. Now, some of us might read that text and say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. That seems incredibly cold. It seems incredibly callous, maybe even uncaring. If we're completely honest, we might read that text and say, wow, Jesus is rude in this moment. The man is losing his daughter, and he says, don't fear, believe. A cold, callous, uncaring, rude Jesus is not what's happening here. Let's continue in the story. Look at verse 39. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion? Why are you weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And so he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and he went in where the child was. And taking her by her hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, immediately, the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. You see, the delay in this moment, it wasn't callous, it wasn't uncaring. That was the plan of Almighty God. And what it did is it allowed Jesus to demonstrate his complete and total authority over death. 
That's what we see in the story. But that begs a question for you and for me. Is this the sort of dependence that we have in Christ? Do we trust him with our very existence? Do you and I have this sort of faith? Now let me be clear. I'm not talking about faith in faith. That's a mind game. I'm talking about faith in the person and the work of Jesus who is the Christ. The sovereign God of the universe. Do you have faith in him? You see, Jesus' power, Jesus' authority is absolute. And he wants his followers to trust him completely. Completely. Now, let's turn our attention to another story of faith. Let's look back at verse 24. And a great crowd followed him, and they thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately, immediately the flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And that's when his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you ask, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him everything, told him the whole truth. What's his response? I love his response. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, the woman's issues were twofold. There is obviously this miserable physical condition that she's been suffering for 12 years straight. She's gone to doctors. They're of no help to her. It is a condition that carries on and on and on. So there is the physical challenge. But more than that, she also is ceremonially unclean because of that condition. Because of what's going on in her body, she couldn't be in the temple. She was shunned. So the shame that she felt was real. We know of no kids. We know of no 
care. We know of no spouse. We know of no resources. We know of no help from the doctors. That is this woman's condition. On the spiritual side, she was unclean and therefore she was shunned by her community. I want you to capture the weight of her angst, the weight of what is going on in her life, the weight of what she is carrying. And yet in the midst of all of that, she runs to Jesus. She pushed through the masses to get to him. She touches his garment, and in that moment, she is healed. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. But something else happened, too. Something else happened, something far more significant. It says that she received peace. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. And once again, we see the person falling down, heart posture of complete and utter surrender. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, the amazing grace of Jesus the Christ has healed her physical body and her soul by faith. So much could be said about this woman. We could talk about her illness. We could talk about the shame and the culture. We could go on and on about that, and yet nothing matters more than the faith that she exhibited in her pursuit of Christ. She went against every obstacle, every cultural norm imaginable to get to Jesus. In a phrase, she was all in. Nothing else mattered. She was all in, in spite of the physical limitations, in spite of her uncleanness, in spite of her shame. Her desire to experience freedom in Jesus was stronger than anything. It's a beautiful picture. Now, while you may not have a long-standing illness like this woman, You may not be struggling physically like she does. There may still be many things that keep you away from God and away from his people. Maybe you're here today, but you do struggle physically. It's really a challenge to be here. Perhaps the challenge isn't physical, but the challenge is emotional and spiritual. You carry this burden You carry this heavy weight of your life choices that actually overwhelms you. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, the shame that I have is so heavy, it is absolutely debilitating. Whatever it is, Whatever you brought in these doors today, may I encourage you to run 
to Jesus. Run to him with everything you've got. Run to him in repentance and faith. Run to Jesus. And as the pastor of this church, I want you to do it right here at Woodside White Lake with this church family that we can journey with you. We can run alongside you. We can pick you up when you fall down. That is our desire. Journey with us as we pursue Jesus together. Author and psychiatrist Kurt Thompson He explains why the community of faith is so very important in times like this. Here's what he writes. He said, when we experience shame, we tend to turn away from others because the prospect of being seen, the prospect of being known, carries the anticipation of shame being intensified. It's going to get worse. If they know it will get worse, but it is in this moment, excuse me, it is in this movement towards another, towards connection with someone who is safe that we come to know life and freedom from the prison of shame. We need each other. So we like family, as we close out our message today, as we actually wrap up our series, I want to be sure that we take away three key truths from today's text, three things that we can hang our hats on. The first is that only in Jesus is dignity restored. Only in Christ. He is the one who removes guilt. He is the one who removes shame that accompanies those kinds of long-standing illnesses and chronic pain. Your dignity is restored in Christ. The second truth that we learn about Jesus' reign from these texts is that in Jesus, life is resurrected. Our lives get resurrected through repentance of sin and belief in Jesus. You and I are brought to life. We are made new. We are resurrected in him. In him. And when those things happen, when those things happen in our lives, the world is amazed. You see, through the reign of Jesus over disease and death, God shines the light of his glory. So no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you walked in here with today, God desires for you to run to him. Whether the situation is physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, financial, relational, whatever it is, Jesus wants you to trust him with all of it. Every bit of it. Because it is through the powerful ministry of Jesus in the lives of people of faith that the world is amazed and Jesus receives great glory. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.